Welcome to The Widow, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Robert Moss, the author of Barbecue, the History of an American Institution. I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at The Post and Courier. Well, today we're doing the sales tax scandal edition of The Widow, hot off the presses, because we're uh, Hannah recently got in the middle of a, something of a of a. I am not in the middle of it. <laughs> you were reported on. You were, you were I, I uncovered reported on. A rather... A rather interesting uh, local restaurant uh, issue. So, Hannah, last week uh, you sort of set off a bit of a, a, a firestorm. Um, well, oh, listen, it wasn't me. <laughs> well, <laughs> this one I had nothing to do. You with. uncovered. Well, you you wrote about it. You I did. you helped bring it to light. Yep. Uh, it was actually yeah, someone else uncovered it. It was uh, some local restaurants here with some unusual charges on the checks. Yeah. So I want I want this is um, Zaobao Biscuit and two. And I so I do want to emphasize that it's. It, According to our research, this is a very unique situation. Um, What happened in this case is um, I had a reader who over the past weekend had emailed me a receipt from lunch at Zaobao, noting that she had been charged 13.5% sales tax. And her question to me was, did they raise the hospitality tax? Which is a really legitimate question yeah. if you're not keeping up with taxes. And, and you mentioned is, this me, to me last week when you yeah. were digging into it. I immediately thought, realized I don't really know for sure what the sales tax is because there's sales tax. The city can have a fee. There's a hospitality tax. So that's exactly um, kind of what what happened here is nobody seems to really know the sales tax because we vote it. You know, we vote in these local options yeah. and they get voted. You know, you vote for a half cent here and a half cent there, and they don't immediately take effect when the vote is is approved. So it is very difficult in. You're in the retail space, really, to keep up with exactly what the and sales tax is. Another reason I think I don't know what the sales tax is, I used to always be hyper aware of it, but that was back when A, I was broke, and B, it was before credit cards and debit cards were universal, and I was paying for most things with cash. Mm-hmm. And so you go to the counter and you'd have to calculate the sales tax in advance. Right. So, Unless you're like the reader who looks closely, you might ever not even notice what the tax is. Exactly. Was. And so, again, depending on where you're located, on the municipality, in most cases, you, you know, you're you're being taxed by the state, by the county, potentially by the city. In the case of Charleston, which we're going to speak specifically about within Charleston city limits today, um, you are taxed 9% is the base sales tax. There's an additional 2% hospitality tax that brings tax to 11%. There is another tax, which probably very few of our listeners ever encounter, which has to do with food served in a room service setting. I'm not so going like to get into that. If you're in a hotel, and exactly. You order if there, there's a separate, there's a separate fee that has to um, that hinges to on accommodations, fee? It, yeah. it, something like yeah. that. So I'm not an expert in that, so I'm going to avoid that for the time being and say we pay 11% sales tax. The only exception to that are liquor drinks, which are subject to a separate 5% excise tax, and that's important because after this story came out, I heard from a lot of readers who were sure they'd been overcharged. They uh, had not been overcharged. They just like to they drink. They had link, yes, uh, exactly. a lot of liquor on the bill. <laughs> so, um, so if there are any questions, we do at postandcourier.com have a step-by-step guide to calculating the correct tax for your receipt. Again, the correct tax within the city of Charleston should always be 11%. So the receipt that I was provided by a reader said 13.5. And fortuitously, I had just finished reviewing two. Um, two TU is That's the newest TU, restaurant yes. from, from these two, TWO. Um, they, uh, and so because of that, all of my reviews, I make at least three visits. Oh, so you had a little stack so of receipts there. I had there. three <laughs> recent receipts. And I have long been a fan of Zaobao, so I have plenty of Zaobao receipts as well. And they all calculated to exactly that, 13.5. So my math, I'm not a mathematician, but mm-hmm. th- that tells me it's 2.5% 
higher than it's supposed to be. Right. So they padded the sales tax with what they then called a convenience fee. So well, well actually, let's say they, but they, they didn't put that on the receipt. Oh gosh, no, 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 no. no. I'm sorry. When okay. I say they called it that, when I confronted so them you, about it, so you called it. them up and said, "Hey, yeah, hey what's, for, what's up with this?" And, yeah, thanks for making that clear. On the receipt, it just says sales tax. This is important to know because nobody paying with cash had the option to ask out of this mm. because it's sales tax. I don't know about you, but I have never contested a sales tax. No, I, um, like I said, I don't even know what it is these days, especially with all the local options and don't the downtown, the municipality. And, and, and kind of the brilliant thing about it is you would have to be, I mean, you'd have to be a prodigy to do 13 versus 11 in your head. That yeah. is so close when we're talking about. Unless you had a $100 check. Exactly, right. <laughs> if you had a $100, yeah, if you right had a $100 tab, you would know the difference. But most people well, $67 are $67.35. Good luck. Most people at two get rung up. I mean, most of my receipts for for like one seventy two sixty four. Okay, I cannot tell you off the top of my head what eleven percent of that is, and I would wager, I'll wager you two point five percent that most people can't either. So they had added this fee. It turns out, um, as we now know, turned um, they had added it in the fall as a convenience fee on the advice of their credit card processor. Um, I have learned so much about credit card processors <laughs> <laughs> in the last few days. Um, essentially, and I, I'm going to assume because I didn't know this that some of our listeners don't know it either, if you are going to accept credit cards, you have to have a relationship with a credit card processor. This is actually a person. Um, this all used to be handled by the banks. There has been tremendous growth in the independent sector yeah. now. There's things like Square and Stripe. Or and- in the case of Zaobao, your neighbor. So this was actually, ah. yeah. So, so this wasn't like one of those, like, because you see a lot of restaurants, especially those smaller pop-up ones using Square or those those newer payment systems. I, I want to get are, back to Square and different okay. payment systems. But, but this, this, is, this is literally This is separate. This means if you take a credit card, if you put your credit card in a checkbook at the end of a restaurant yep. and they are expecting to get money off of that, they need to have a relationship with a person who is known as a credit card processor. Okay? Okay. So their credit card processor in this case said, I got a great idea for you guys. Um, You're having to pay credit card fees, and this we know as well, that all – I'm not going to get into who gets all the money yep. and where the money goes, but just know that there is a cost associated yeah, with it is a accepting credit card. Anytime you swipe a credit card. Correct. Or debit cards too, though they're different, Correct. different prices. So they were advised to add a convenience fee. Now, the problem with this is there are rules regulating convenience fees um, set by the credit card companies, not by the government nor by the banks necessarily, but the ones we know, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, so on, they have rules. Um, One of the rules surrounding convenience fees is they have to be disclosed. So uh, they're also in... Almost never are they permitted in what is called a card present environment, which means you, the merchant, and the credit card are all in the same place at the same time. That's because convenience fees were designed primarily to offset the cost of fraud in a non-card present environment. Mm, If I I get on my computer, I could be doing anything with any number. Fraud is far less in a setting like a restaurant. So... Um, people were not happy to learn of <laughs> <laughs> this convenience fee. I guess to finish the story, I should say that um, the owners of the restaurants acknowledged that they had been doing this. They issued, I can't, I, I guess we termed it an apology. They essentially said, if you feel that we weren't up front, we're sorry, but went on to explain all the costs of ex- accepting credit cards and sort of saying, you know, there's a reason we need that money. Um, 
in my view, I don't know that they ever fully explained why they had to call it sales tax, um, but that's where it now stands. I will add as well that with the help of Emory and other people in the Post and Courier newsroom, we analyzed, boy, I don't know if I ever counted how many receipts, but um, we're able to pretty conclusively establish that this is a unique practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, not something you found anywhere else in town? It's, yeah, it's not. So- uh, that's that's. Well, where I guess it it's unique now. and probably not growing at this point. I would well, think certainly not. not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, after. not after that. <laughs> but I will say that I did hear from a reader that he had encountered something like this. I think actually a convenience fee, a disclosed convenience mm-hmm. fee. We know, for instance, that they're doing this at Revelry Brewing, or were at the time of our reporting, where they say we're charging a convenience fee, um, and so if you're paying in cash, you're going to get a cash refund essentially. When this reader confronted the restaurant where it was in place, they also said it was the credit card processor who told them to do it. So I think there may be a wave of credit card processors advising restaurants to do this. Whether it's going to take hold, I think, is pretty uh, debatable. Uh, Joining us today, we have uh, Jeff Yost, uh, communications strategy consultant uh, from here in Charleston. Uh, Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know Jeff well from uh, social media. We interact a, a good bit uh, on that. And I know he weighed in on the story we're going to be talking about here. So we thought it was appropriate to have him come by and, and chat a little bit about that. Well, how did they actually respond? Did, did well, the article hit first? Did you you contacted them? Well, yeah, of course I contacted time, them. Because obviously you were talking to them right. for it. Yep. How did the public... Well, I guess I'd like to talk to Jeff first as a member of the public, because I think you first uh, received this news as just sort of a fan of the restaurant. So I wonder if you could tell me how it sort of looked from your end and and kind of, you know, characterize what the response was. Sure. I mean, so first thing I'll say is that like XBB is one of my favorite restaurants in town. And I would say it's, I call it a beloved restaurant. So many people just love it. It's such a a unique and unusual, wonderful food. It's a big reason why this story has been so big. It, you know, this story has a lot of aspects to it that have made it one that's ripe for the debate and discussion that mm-hmm. it's gotten. You know, you're talking about the food and beverage industry, which is closely watched, whether you're a patron or a proprietor. You're talking about consumer harm, but then you're talking about this restaurant that gets a lot of positive press and that is beloved. And and to be clear, I think for those who aren't in Charleston or haven't had an opportunity to go to Zaobao, and this is less applicable to two because it's only been open for, I don't know, since Thanksgiving probably. Three it's months. Three months. So so let's talk about Zaobao, their, their first restaurant. It also very much has this ethos. For example, in the review I wrote of two, I talked about like, you know, the servers wear torn T-shirts with band names <laughs> on it. I mean, very much. Yeah, this much is an independent restaurant. It's very you know, the, the, independent. You, the restaurateurs are sort of front and center. It's not some faceless chain that, you know, is. You know, and as a customer, you feel it. like you're buying into their vision. That's yeah. right. Right. It's it's pretty high concept, even if it is kind of approachable. Right. And, but not just kind of approachable. They sort of specialize in like peasant food, right. too. Right. I think people would have responded very differently had this been a steakhouse where the values they were celebrating were like, you know, can you buy a fancy car? Can you, you know, who wants the biggest bottle? of Yeah, it's food? not luxurious. Correct. Yeah. OK, so I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Um, but I mean, I think those are the reasons behind why it's become such a big story. And then I think to see the the restaurant, I think the thing that was most surprising was that their response wasn't much of a response. It didn't explain anything. It was just, we've been doing this. Right, right. And then they went dark. Right. They didn't explain for how long, 
why did they get out ahead of the story? Oh no, breaking, they knew this they, was coming. They waited until it broke, then had a response, and then went dark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they I had asked them. They knew I was writing about yeah. this, and there was just no no acknowledgement. And I I would say the other things I think that really made that. I mean. This was, to me, it really felt like this was the talk of the town this weekend. Like, people were really swept up in it. And I think some of the other reasons it was important, it felt so important, is because there is huge concern now about what is happening in the restaurant industry yeah. that we don't know about. And so to know... Well, tip pooling and all those things are huge issues. Where's your tip money going? Yeah. And now where's your sales tax money going? You know? And I think as business owners, there's a lot of focus for the restaurants on crafting the story of right. what they're doing. Narrative behind food is more important than ever. Um, it's one of the reasons why Charleston's been put on the map as a food scene. There's so many good practitioners of the art of making food real to people more than just what's on the plate. Right. And there's not as much focus, and, and this is what I do in my work, on you know what happens when things go bad. This is a story where like you said, they did not get ahead of it. They didn't know really, it seemed, what to say or do and, when caught. And I should say, lest anyone be, you know, just feel like we're really picking on like just small business owners, I will say they have an incredibly prestigious PR agency, which stepped away from the whole thing. I mean, at, at least from my perspective, least, I didn't hear from them again. It so, wasn't involved. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're still the PR agency, but when when this story broke, they were the PR agency. So so we know that at least some of that 2.5% went to buying a very uh, fancy firm to take care of this sort of thing. So I, I just want to I, I be careful as we set up the story that's not just like they're like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah, and, and they're right to have that at their disposal. Absolutely. You know, th these are situations that come up just in the last six months nationwide. I mean, think about the um, sexual harassment allegations at restaurant groups across the country. You know, crises that are not related to the food can happen that can just, you know, completely derail a restaurant's yeah. narrative. Uh, and if you're not practicing and planning for those things, you know, nobody sets out to, to be the subject of a firestorm like this. Right. They, you know— they might even come by earnestly adding this fee to their bills, right. but not being understanding of, of what that could create in terms of perception is a huge part of, of planning for this to happen. And apparently, like some of the you know sexual misconduct situations, they didn't think they were going to get caught, I don't think. I mean, I don't think they had any in, – in, in, I didn't get from what I heard from them that they, they – thought they were doing anything wrong, right? They were going to keep at it. So they really weren't going to plan. Well, I guess, for, I guess one question to yeah. ask there, though, is did they think they were doing anything wrong? Because it, it is possible, at least based on the reporting so far, is that if if this was advice given to them by a credit card processor, yep. they may have presumed that that yeah, person would, was and a professional would, and knew what they yeah, were doing. Yeah, I would it's actually— it, yep, you know, That's right. In, in the spirit of I've always given people the benefit of the doubt and having been on the other end of this, I can see how if somebody told you, well, you can just bake a convenience fee into this this line, you might not think, oh, but it says sales tax. Sure. You might it, it could be a, it could be like a you know not meaning to deceive somebody, thought you were doing something. Maybe right. probably should have thought through it a little bit more. I, but it could I, have I mean, been an honest mistake. Yeah. You know? well, I, I was just going to say though, yeah. in in 
you know, to, to contradict myself, uh, I, I, I know nothing about the laws of sales tax. Um, if I'm running a business and somebody told me, hey, you can roll a fee into the sales tax, that would set off all sorts of alarms <laughs> for me. I would be Googling that like I, immediately. I, I completely <laughs> agree. I think we all know we can't set the sales tax. I mean, I think we all know yeah. that we, you know, it's something we vote on. It's something that's set by the government. I So I think that's a little fishy. But OK, let's say. Let's say just through naivety. Let's say they had no they idea. Think Even that, though oh, they, they, they never this. made that claim. Right. They, in their, they never said. We didn't understand how right. sales tax worked. They, there was not a clear claim of ignorance. But there was a moment when they said, oops, we realize well, that we're this is going to come out. Sort of. <laughs> and we're, not really. we, we shouldn't have done that. At some point, they realized we should not have baked they, it into the sales tax line. They went quiet for about a day, yeah. right? So yeah. they made these initial comments to Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, the first story you know, said – oh, what we've been doing is charging a convenience fee, but it never established intent. It never discussed um, how they came to do that. It didn't get into the history. It right. wasn't until about a day later that they issued a statement through their Instagram account that in any way tried to explain their actions. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting about it was it, in terms of it being an apology, it apologized for the perception that it was a problem, not for actually having done it, which to my mind suggests they knew what they were doing and they would have continued to do it had they not been caught. You know, this isn't a court of law. We can't indict them, but it, it, in a in a setting like this where you you you've got a crisis, you're trying to maintain your brand reputation. You'd want to get out there and properly apologize. Something is, that they didn't true. do. Yeah, the, the, they pulled out. They pulled out that literally this one of the oldest tricks in the book. That I'm sorry if anyone was offended. <laughs> right. right. It's like in couples therapy. You know, if someone says that, like you guys. Yeah. Are I'm sorry you. I made sorry you, you feel, feel that, that way. way. You feel you were. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So Jeff, how would you have advised them if they came to you? They fired that PR firm, which obviously you know had you know they come to you. What What do you do? I think that you start by knowing the facts, right? Um, them going dark, I mean, we've talked about that a little bit, right? That's not necessarily a bad thing. The problem was they went dark and didn't respond to follow-up questions. They didn't even tell you, hey, we need a few days to kind of reconcile with our vendor, talk to lawyers, talk to communications professionals, and yep. understand what's going on. So in any crisis, and, and this is for any business, not just for a restaurant, this is just basic communication strategy. Start with knowing the story. And I think to some degree, they didn't actually know that story. Um, The reporting that you've done on their credit card processor thus far kind of suggests that there might be a bigger story that it's possible even that XBB themselves is the victim of a deception. Um, We don't know that for sure yet. Or at least the victim of bad advice. Yeah, or or some sort of of, miscommunication even. Yep. Um, and I can understand that, right? We expect them to be experts in the food. Um, they don't necessarily need to be experts in credit card processing. Right. Right. So, and I do think there's a there's a lot of room for sympathy because I, I certainly have sympathy for a restaurateur or a small business owner who's you know once who's taken in you know not making a huge margin and a two point five percent cut on every transaction is pretty significant. So I have a lot of sympathy for somebody trying to to wrestle with this fact of business. And if you don't take credit cards in this day and age, you're going to lose a lot of business. And And I think there's a lot of people- You got to pay a haircut, you know? Like me, who see that 2.5% fee, and if it were baked into the price of what XBB was selling, uh, 
Never wouldn't necessarily had a problem with it, right? Yep. Um, it's the fact that it wasn't disclosed that I think hurt so many people. It felt like a breach of trust. Right. And I think they kept getting hung up on people not accepting convenience fees, but that it, it was really the concealment I think they needed right. to address most of all. And that's what needed a proper apology. Right. So the second thing that I would have advised them really to do was to sit down and um, – with you know, you nobody cares about the reason. Nobody cares that <laughs> right. it's a convenience fee. Nobody cares that it. Uh, they said it was an industry standard practice, which that's clearly not true. Right. Um, they should have sat down and properly apologized. A good example that uh, I wrote about on the internet, of course, the last few days was Apple last fall. Um, the kind of battery gate scandal that mm-hmm. they were under uh, was a. a Similar situation in that a lot of customers didn't understand up front what Apple was doing and slowing down For this batteries. one, yeah, with this, mm-hmm. on older phones as they were as a yeah, they were slowing the processor down, right? It yeah. was complicated, but basically what was happening is is older phones were being asked to do more complicated things and it was shutting them down. And so what Apple did was make sure they didn't shut down by slowing down the processors, which actually is a better user experience. <laughs> but if you don't tell people right. about what you're doing – it feels deceptive. Like if you right. put a little icon that says we're now in legacy phone mode or right. in, right. in a higher performance mode, yep. you'd and be at least announcing what you're doing. You know, in, in Apple's case, and I think this applies to XBB too, you're you're trying to craft a, a, a magical customer experience. And the problem with magic tricks is once you fi- figure out how yep. they're done, <laughs> they are not rewarding. Right. And that's kind of what happened here. When Apple was called to task for this, the third sentence of their statement that did provide a lot of reasons as to why they did it was just two words. We apologize. They made it extraordinarily clear that they had breached their customers' trust and were trying to repay that, right? Uh, Now, people aren't talking about that scandal as much anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, It's – they've moved on, but it was because they apologized. That's what XBB should have done too, is get out in front of the story and apologize in a real and meaningful way. I learned that when after many years in the software industry, I managed to work myself into a position where I often was the one who had to go out to the client when the software was messed up and something was wrong, and which is always a bad – That know, doesn't sound Yeah, That's a tough because no one likes to see you show up. But you learn pretty quickly that if – you get there and you make a bunch of excuses of why this isn't really our fault or something, as opposed to just saying, we're sorry, we really messed up, we, it, we bobbled this implementation, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to fix it. We're going to stand behind it. That goes so much farther. I think it goes back to being um, in line with the brand you've already established. Yes. And I think there are actually a lot of fun ways they could have handled it. For example, like if for every Okonomiyaki they were selling, if they now created one that was like 2.5% of it that just came <laughs> on top, you know, like we're giving 2.5 more percent. I think people would think that was hilarious. Yeah. I would write about it. You know, I would think like that's fun. And all they have to do is like say they're sorry, show that they're still the spirit that people admired is still in place rather than the spirit that they're now being credited with, which is, I mean, stingy and possibly worse. I think they also need to show what they're going to do to fix it. You know, they've since come out and said, we're going to modify our checks. We're going to continue to charge this Mm -hmm. fee, which I frankly found surprising. Um, But they're going to tell people we're doing it and show it on the bill. Uh, If that was an option at the time, why wasn't it already there? Well, I think your choice is is just to raise prices across the board or line item out a convenience fee. But again, then you may run and follow the credit card company's rules if you do that. But I think they do, to Hannah's point, need to give a reason for a customer to go back into the restaurant. Exactly. Either offer some sort of discount 
account or or make a good faith outreach effort to say, hey, trust us again, because I'm betting if I had the okonomiyaki or anything else <laughs> on their menu again, I would maybe forgive them. Right. Right. Uh, but do I want to take that next step back into the restaurant? Right. I don't know. Right. And, and that's the thing. I mean, the food is just as good as it's always been. It was just, you know, there was this weird quirk of timing in which yeah. my review of the restaurant dropped on the same day as this news story because I do, I file my reviews like uh, two weeks in advance or close to it. So it just happened that way. I still like the food. The food is still good. But restaurants aren't all about food. You know, they're about very much about hospitality. Otherwise, we'd just be doing Uber Eats all the time. You know, it's about the space and the feeling you create there. And to me, the essence of hospitality is you don't get cheated. You know, I mean, that is like that is the opposite of hospitality. And so I think that's really what they violate. And I think that's what bothered people, too. Yeah, Hannah, that reminds me. In all of this, uh, the hoopla uh, around this, um, I, I kind of forgot about that review. Did you go back and update it? Or, or like, what do you think the thing to do is in this situation? Yeah, I left it just as it is because it is true to, it's just like any other review I write. It's based on the visits I had. Now, yeah. you know, and I was like everyone else, unaware that I was being charged. Yeah, you were blissfully unaware of it, so it didn't affect your experience. I was unaware, so I don't think I can go back and change it. I know anyone who searches for an IR site should now, because of how many people have read the other <laughs> yeah. story, are going to come up with the other information. Um, um, yeah, it certainly it changes my view of the restaurant, but I don't think it's it's a good idea to go back and change your previous yep. view. See, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One thing I, we're talking about the convenience fees and things like that. This is one thing I say is a liquor store near 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 my house has a cash discount. Mm-hmm. So if you pay with a card or whatever, you pay the, whatever the shelf price is, and then underneath they have a little tiny cash price. Yep. Is that does that run afoul of the credit card? It seems like it's just the re- same thing in reverse. That's I think that's fine. But you're just discounting it for cash. Yeah, I mean you you as a restaurant owner are free to set any prices you want. I that's mean true. you could say you know this costs if you have a nickel I'll give it to you for a nickel. <laughs> I mean that goes back to the old. Like, I'm just wondering you know, if like in your merchant agreement maybe in the fine print somewhere that might be you might have agreed not to do that to not discourage to, not to being, charge different prices for cash versus credit. Boy, I mean I certainly have not read enough merchant agreements yeah. to know if that could ever show up. I'm suspecting it I mean, might be just because I don't. Don't see that happening all that much. And all I know is that the, the the definite reason behind the rules that these credit card companies set for what these fees are and and make these agreements is that they want the interference to use a credit card right. they to be l- basically to low. spend exactly the same way <laughs> yeah. as cash. Right. So you know it it might run afoul, but. Yeah, I don't know. What we do know, obviously, is that credit card use has just skyrocketed over the last 10 years. You know, so it's not that necessarily these merchants are being charged more, but they're being charged on more and more transactions because people aren't using cash. So so that does raise a question, you know, will we see more of this? But I think Jeff's point is a good one about you don't want the, the magic to be interfered with. And I think... People would not take kindly to a bill that said, you know, uh, utilities 1%, you know, (laughs) rent 3%. We don't really care. Just figure out your business model and charge accordingly. So I I don't think these convenience fees are going to take off. There are some people in the industry that think otherwise, mostly because, and I said I would get back to this point, the rise of those square systems and the tablet-based systems – just because it makes convenience fees so much easier to calculate. And so because not just calculate, but also you can have a screen that pops up that says we're about to charge you a convenience fee. Are you OK with that? Um, these machines are just more sophisticated than the old POS systems ever yeah, were. Yeah, and, and you, you never 
not since the days of the gas stations where they actually swiped the credit card on that little right. carbon paper machine. <laughs> yeah. Usually that, that somebody else is doing that. You know, they're, they're in the back. You don't see it. But with a square or something like that, they're spin the iPad around and you right. type Spin your, it around. And so it does. So there's this more yeah, consumer facing yep. element that I don't know. So th- there's some people who think maybe they're going to try and just put it in there. It's going to be like when you go like rent a car. You know how you have like 14 screens? Yes, yes, yes. Well, yeah, yeah. you know, air- like yeah, renting car at airport, yeah. and you got like the airport concession fee. You're like, what the hell is that? Right, and <laughs> you're, just, you're pressing the check marks and the yes and the no. And this is something that uh, drives brands crazy all the time. I mean, Ticketmaster is probably the most famous brand yep. that gets ripped for their convenience yes. fees all the time. Yeah. You know, a $15 ticket to go see a band yeah. becomes a $30 ticket really fast. And that can change the economics of whether or not somebody wants to go see that show. Right. So, you know, without building it into the price of the products, it, even if it's the same total bill, yep. if you build it in, it, it hides that, it obscures it to the customer, it makes it something that they feel like they're a part of choosing to spend that money. Yep. When the check comes at the end of the night and it's got an additional two and a half percent that you didn't know about, right. you've been railroaded. That into changes it. the reputation completely, it cha- right. and it changes the calculus on a second visit. And it's, it really is this unfortunate euphemism about convenience fee because in the end, too, it is just as convenient for the merchant. It is not convenient for him to not be able to take credit cards. He will not sell as much stuff, you know, because he could make that choice. And you got to carry could, stacks of cash around. Yeah, 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 carry, yeah. Yes, there are a lot of reasons that that you want to be able to accept Getting credit checks cards. And cash is actually a pain. In in the, in the yeah. book because you oh. have to get it to the bank. Whereas yeah. if it comes into you know, a, a yep. credit system or even do something like a PayPal or a Square, it just goes right into your bank account. You don't yep. have to do anything. Yep. So I don't know. So I, are the two of you going to go back to these restaurants? I certainly will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, in, in the, I, I, I feel like it was, you know, not a, you know, smart thing to do, but not, it doesn't feel super devious and, and crooked. It feels like sort of a, a, you know, dumb mistake and they've, if they apologize for it, that's fine. As long as, you know, yeah, the food's good, why not? I want them to – I mean, I, I I would say first, I, I would love to see more reporting from you, and I'm looking forward to, mm-hmm. to knowing more about what happened here because I think there are unanswered questions, and I, and I want to be careful that, you know, we're not piling on to them too hard because right. it's possible there's a broader thing here. Um, that said – you know, until they publicly truly apologize, until they make a good faith effort to say, you know, we're changing our business in certain ways, um, it's going to take time for me to to want to go back there. Yeah. It, it feels bad, and I'm their biggest fan. You know, I mean, not their biggest fan, <laughs> yeah. but like I want to support them. I want them to do well. I think they're doing interesting things. But it's going to take a bit to right. want to go back. Right. Yeah, my feeling is very much the same. I, I sort of feel like, you know, the the re- when when they first got back to me before the story was published with the response, the offer was sort of like, he, he also said, well, I didn't quote, he's like, let me know if you want to sit down, have coffee, and I'll explain convenience fees to you. And it was it's this very kind <laughs> of this mansplained sort of framing that I didn't appreciate. But so let's you put have, that you, aside. You have more context no, yeah, yeah, yeah. than so, I do. So but, I'm, but putting I mean, that it's aside. It's just a story I read, right? He, he, they... They, he, he knew what he was charging, right? They yeah. knew what they were doing. And I don't feel that that same, that it, the apology just wasn't there for me. Based on knowing as much as they knew, it wasn't like, my God, we didn't know what we were doing. They knew what they were doing. They didn't fully apologize, you know, in that context, I don't think. And for me, and I've said this on the show before, I am really a believer in the rules. I'm following <laughs> the rules. I really am because 
they protect the most vulnerable among us. I mean, that's what rules are for. Like, if people start being able to do whatever they want to do, it's the most powerful people who get away with stuff. And I really like rules in a restaurant because they also protect our safety. And I've talked about this before. I feel like if you think the sales tax doesn't apply to you, what other government regulations do you think don't apply to you? I'm I'm very concerned. Maybe not put it the frame of rules, but mm-hmm. like just set of expectations, right? Right. Like that keeps everyone on the same page. Yes. You know what to expect. Societal and that's what expectations. Rules do. Yes, but that's how those things become law. I mean, right. we have all agreed to support our city 11%. We've kind of right, agreed, right. like, that's how many roads we want. That's how much, you know, we want our water system to work. We've all kind of agreed 11%. And they've taken it upon themselves to choose a different number. And I, to me, that's, that, that's not how it works. I think the comparison with Apple is really interesting because uh, comparing them both as as really beloved brands. And I think your insight, Jeff, there was really uh, good about Apple directly apologizing versus XBB, not really kind of quasi apologizing. But I also kind of wonder, um, like, I think a part of Apple is the fact that they are such a beloved brand. They have a built in um, group of defenders, Mm -hmm. right? Like people who are going to be inclined to view them sympathetically. And that, I think, is what really surprised me with XBB is, is I, you know, walked away from the story on Thursday. I, I, I just, I've seen so many you know, stories fill like me, this. Fill where, me on that because I've sort of been in and out of social media the past week. So I didn't really see, were there people coming to the defense of, of Yeah, the, I mean, the comment, sort of, I, I actually wanted to go do some analysis of this on their comment thread on their post on their Instagram. I mean, that had hundreds of likes, lots of interaction, and lots of comments. And just, you know, I would say maybe two-thirds of those comments, by estimation, were actually supportive. keep doing what you're yeah. doing. You know, mm-hmm. we're behind you. We want to support small business. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, these are intimate fans of the restaurant and what they're doing. Uh, but it's also, you know, partially the way they framed their own defense. I mean, they definitely did a little bit of the woe is me, we're a small business. Uh, They specifically talked about what large corporations do to make small businesses' lives harder. Um, You know, merchant processing fees are the same for large corporations. Apple is paying to take a credit card in the same way that a small business is. that's not necessarily a defense of what they did, but there were a lot of people who were sympathetic to that argument. I was interested to like walk down. I don't live all that far from XBB. I was curious to like go by on the weekend yeah, and same. see what the foot traffic was like at the restaurant because on a Saturday for lunch, they're busy all yeah. the time. I've, I've tried to go there and not on mm-hmm. a weekend day. Uh, I didn't actually do that because I think to the impact of the business won't be seen for some time, right? Mm -hmm. In Apple's case, it might be when the next iPhone goes on sale, are people going to grab it in the same way? It it might be a delayed reaction. Same thing here. Right now, their business could be bolstered by people who really love it, who haven't been in a while, think they're under siege, but in three months – Picture could totally change. I completely agree. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. I almost went down Saturday, but thought that I was like, they're going to have a great crowd today because or it could some be people who read your two review and said, I'm right, check that place people, out. That sounds yeah, pretty good. Could be, could be. Um, I would say anecdotally. I mean, I, you know, friends, people at the gym. I've definitely heard, you know, social media. I've seen this being talked about. And I've definitely heard people who are like, I'm not going to go there at least for a while. So. 
it'll be interesting to see how that shapes out. Yeah, it will be interesting because with the exception of their own Instagram post, I have not heard much backlash against the report. I mean, there it seems like people were were pretty outraged by what happened. For Did them. you get any like thank yous? I mean, have you heard those oh, types of messages? Yes. I've heard plenty, plenty of those. I have heard from dozens and dozens of readers who are like, I'm so glad this was exposed. Of course, I will never go there. It was very unusual for me not to get a single message. And I did not, not, not via social media, not via email. And I mean, directly to me saying, how dare you go after a business like this? I, I didn't get one. Now, I know that sentiment came up in the Instagram comments. I understand that. But it didn't come to me, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, no, it, it is really hard to, like, gra- grab a hold of, like, what the overall sentiment is on social media. Yeah. Um, but, I, like, I, I that was what was really surprising to me is, is to the extent that, that we here in the newsroom pay a lot of attention to, like, what people are talking about and how people are reacting to our stories. Uh, I have never seen a, a food story get this kind of reaction before no. and, and I was seeing people talking about it like like you were saying on uh, they just like in, in incidental ways like it I, I was just really surprised at how much it, it popped off I think it does sort of speak to the fact that Charleston is very much a dining culture and the idea that you know that there are secrets and that we're being taken advantage of I think those are sort of bigger themes in the you know in society right now and so it needed to come to a restaurant for us kind yeah. of to talk those things out funny thing though is it yeah uh, it, it it's, it's the comparison to Apple is apt in many ways, but in other ways it's not because I mean that's the largest corporation in the world mm-hmm. with teams that you know they're the 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 you know the, today the, the the thing is more about getting screwed by giant corporations, not by the small mom and pops. Mm-hmm. So that's I think an interesting wrinkle to this one. It's not yeah. it's not necessary. If like I said, if it was some big. You know, if it was some big restaurant chain who was discovered doing this, it would be a, it'd be a totally different Right, narrative. so it was at the beginning. I think yeah. it would be a different response. Well, I think that's instructive that, like, the same harm is felt. Like, the end yeah. user feels yes. the harm in the exact same way. Right. And, and, and in some cases, maybe even more personally, mm-hmm. right? I actually maybe feel worse about XBB doing this to me because they are for so many people in this community, friends, neighbors, uh, it's very intimate. You feel connected to that business in a way that yeah. you don't when you're being screwed over by a corporation. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think of also it's relative what's small and what's big. I mean, within the Charleston community, they're kind of big. You know, they've been written oh, up I in every fancy food magazine. I, that That's sort of big, you know. So I understand they're not Apple, but I, I think it's important, again, for people who aren't familiar with these restaurants to know we're not just talking about like a guy who fries fish on the corner. I mean, this is really this is part of the scene. Being in command of your customer experience is the best way to avoid being in this situation later, yeah. right? So if this was something that they really didn't realize was something that they shouldn't be doing, you know, it's probably that the owners haven't sat down and like gotten a bill and looked at the entire customer experience from when you walk in the front door to when you leave at the end of the night. Um, being proactive about understanding that experience is how you realize like a customer did, hey, there's a problem with the sales tax line item. And it can be very easy. Uh, I've been there too as a business owner who gets behind the balance sheet and the accounting and the bookkeeping and is not paying attention to the actual product that I'm selling. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are 
different skill sets. They require different parts of the brain. They they uh, require different amounts of time. And as a business owner, you're probably going to be focused on one of those and not the other. And I think, you know, sympathetically, I want to say that they could have figured this out earlier if they truly didn't know what they were doing by just being in command of their experience or any small business. You know, I, go through the process of being your own customer, and that's going to equip you for when the crisis happens. Right. It, it, this one is interesting. And again, maybe this was part of the response as well is because they've, they've done so well at that up to this point. Right. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your your insights on communication and also, uh, you know, as a, a loyal or a, a fan of, of the restaurants in question. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Jeff. And that is all for this edition of The Winnow. We recorded today's episode in the... Um, scandalized. Scandalized. Podcasting studios at the Post and Courier building in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. If you enjoy listening to The Winnow, please help other, other listeners find us too. Just go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you download your podcasts and like us or leave a rating. The Winnow is a production of the Post and Courier and Palmetto New Media. Our producer today was the upstanding J. Emery Parker. Our theme music is by the Bluestone Ramblers. Until next time, I'm Robert Moss. And I'm Hannah Raskin. Now get out there and eat.